today. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. This is David talking about Goliath. He said, don't let anybody's heart get nervous. Don't get nurgous. I got a friend in Hawaii, and uh, he said, don't get nurgous. He said, don't get nurgous. He said, I'll go fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. He said, you're just a boy, you know. That's, a, that's an insult to a man when they call you boy. Boy. Unless it's your grandpa. <laughs> then you want him to call you boy. But Saul said, you're just a boy. And this guy has been in warfare since he was a boy. He said, there's no match here. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. So not only did I get save the lamb, I took the bear out and I took the lion out. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. I may call him a Philistine too. They're both related. It doesn't matter. Philistines, 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 whatever. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with thee. All right? Go and the Lord be with thee. And so what I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes, the past is the past is the past. Amen? The past is the past is the past. All right, you can be seated. Now, I would, in 1994, now, Brother Rob has, get ready with that video clip. Don't run it yet. Uh, in 1994, I had one kid. In 1995, I had two kids. In 19, in 2000, I had three kids. And in 2001, I had four kids. You say, man, Pastor, you should, probably just should have took another job so you wasn't home so much. <laughs> probably so. But as I get older, and uh, you older moms and dads can associate with that, I wouldn't trade them for the world. You know, kind of wish we'd have had more. <laughs> we could be the father of many nations. True. I'm going to tell you, if we have kids now, this building is paid off. There's money in the bank to build it. We'll go buy We'll just go buy the biggest thing in central Illinois. Amen. Better yet, how about we'll just sell out and I'll buy all you out and you sell it and take care of your bills and we'll just all move to Maui. And we'll start a church in Maui. You ready? Well, there we go. So we got the plan. So Rob Lott always makes fun of me 
when he says, how many movies have you watched, Pastor? I say, well, not very many. Well, this is one of them, Lion King. Now, are we ready with our volume and everything? This, what, this little scene right here is one minute and three seconds. And this, when I first saw this movie and I saw this, this scene right here, it's like, oh my goodness, that will preach. And it's so relevant to where we all live today. Okay, let me give you a background. Is, does anybody not know about the Lion King? Vernie, you don't know about the Lion King? Oh, Lord, okay. Vernie's been busy cutting hair. All right. The Lion King, there was, the, of course, the, the lion was in charge. His name was Mufasa. He had a brother. His name was Scar. And Scar wanted to take the kingdom away from Mufasa's son, Simba. And so there was a conspiracy, and Mufasa ends up getting killed. Scar, his brother, kills him, has him killed. And so Simba is just a cub, and the hyenas, all right, one of them's name is Ed, okay, reminds me of my dad, all right. One of the hyenas, the three hyenas runs Simba away, and so Simba has now left the pride land, and he's away from his, his royal duties because his mean, nasty Uncle Scar has now abdicated the throne, all right? And so... Simba is trying to deal with his past, and he is no longer that little cub who he was. He is now a full-grown lion. And while he is on his journey through his life, there is a crazy witch doctor. Oh, pastor, this is not a good movie. Listen, it's just the, the baboon is the witch doctor named Rafiki. Okay? And Rafiki is going to dump some wisdom on Simba. Now I want you to watch. All right. How's that? <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Very peculiar. Don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! So he hits him with a stick and he says, hey, what'd you do that for? He said, it doesn't matter. It's in your past. So I want to talk to us today about our past. The last few weeks, for some reason, the Lord has been downloading some stuff to me. And the past is the past is the past. David is now seeing in front of him a challenge. And he's seeing this challenge that Goliath, the Philistine, is attacking the children of Israel and the armies of Israel. And David is so upset. And he's just a boy. He's probably about 16 or 17 years old. He is just a boy. And he is seeing this enemy, heathen, 
soldier, warrior champion, going against the armies of God. And Goliath challenges this, send me a man to fight me, and if you win, we will all serve you. And if I win, you will all serve us. That seems like a pretty uh, politically correct statement, doesn't it? We don't have to have everybody get killed. Let's just kill one of us. So we just kill one of us, then the rest of us can work for the other. Seems like a pretty fair situation. And David is going to the enemy lines here, and he's seeing this challenge, and he is remembering that, you know what, number one, who is this uncircumcised Philistine or Philistine that is going to challenge the armies of the Lord? And the other thing is, is there not a cause that, you know, I, I, I'm just here seeing all this, and I remember when the Lord delivered the lion into my hand and the bear into my hand. David was looking back at his past. David was looking back at the victory that God had given him. What I want to try to do here today is I want to try to stir up your remembrance to have you remember that even though you may be facing a very large mountain right now, some of you maybe are facing hills, some of you may be facing an entire mountain range. You're looking and you cannot see a way around any of these mountains at all. You cannot see your way through the situation at all. You're wondering, how is this going to happen? And that's where David was. He was wondering, why are these children of Israel looking at this when God has given us past victories before? So what I want you to do today is I want you to reel back in your mind and I want you to begin to think about some victories that the Lord gave you before. Some of you really shouldn't be here today. Some of you should be dead today. Some of you probably either were, would be shot in a drug deal or would commit suicide, have committed suicide by now simply because of what you have went through in your past life. Some of you probably shouldn't even be in this church today. You probably would still be in a dead church somewhere. But here you are. Amen. And so you've got these situations in front of you and you've got all of this going around you and the devil wants to make you only look at the situation in front of you but God wants you to go back to the past because the past is the past is the past. Now I know, I know that pastor, there's a scripture that Paul said and he said, forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. I'm a firm believer that God wants you to be selective in your past. How many of you have worked at McDonald's? Could you wear what you wanted? No, you had to wear those brown uniforms. Were they brown? I called him, had an adjective with the brown, but I can't say that on the, on the live internet. But it was a brown, nasty brown looking deal, right? How many of you, Brother Jeff, you worked at Corrections. You had to wear a uniform. You had no choice in selection. You, you didn't have any, I mean, you knew what you were going to wear. When you got up to work, go to work at McDonald's, you knew what you was going to wear. If you're in nursing, you wore scrubs. Amen. Certain hospitals, you can wear printed scrubs. 
at Barnes, uh, at Barnes the, the techs wear burgundy. The nurses wear, huh? I can't just say it. Navy. The doctors wear what? Whatever they want. They wear whatever they want. What do nurse practitioners of Barnes wear? Whatever they want? Okay. But you cannot wear, where Megan works now, you cannot wear printed scrubs. None. So Lucy does not get to go to work with her. But if she worked in pediatrics, she could probably wear Lucy or Woodstock. That has nothing to do with 1969. All right, that is Snoopy. You, you children of the corn out there, we know all about you. Yes. All right, so there's no selection there, but then you get a selection. God wants you to tap in to your past selectively. And he wants you to look back at victories that he has already given you to give you strength for you to navigate around the mountain range, over the hills, or wherever you've got to get to the victory. Amen? So the past is the past is the past. Philippians 4.4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. This is the New Living Translation. Listen, if there's nothing that I... I don't like to go to dinner and eat with people who do not talk. I have trouble with telephone conversations when I have to carry both sides of the communication. Communication is a two-way street, right? And how can you be a, I mean, you've got to be a miracle man like Jesus if you're going to carry both sides of the street on the community. How's things going at your place? Good. How's the weather been? Sunny. How's your wife? Fine. How's the kids? Good. How's your job? Real good. Real good. We're making progress. How's church? It's good. You know, you've talked to those people. The Lord wants you to be full of joy. I don't want to be around a bunch of sad people. I don't want to be around a bunch of people that are fighting and arguing. I don't want to be around a bunch of people that are always mad at each other. I don't want to be around grouchy people. I don't want to be around depressed people. I don't want to be around Eeyore people. You know Eeyore? You know, if I've had some tranquilizers, I can handle a tigger. You know, a tigger is a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing is a tigger. A tigger is a wonderful thing. And there's only one tigger in the whole world, right? But then rabbit drives me crazy too at times. I want to be around people that are full of the joy in the Lord. Hallelujah. Because the joy of the Lord is your. So what Paul was saying was, be happy and be strong. Be joyful and be strong. Be thrilled with God and be powerful. He said, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Here's my favorite scripture. Well, here you go, New Living Translations, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Hallelujah. Why do we worry? Because we have not taken an inventory of our past to see the victories that the Lord has already given us to realize that if he did it back then, he will do it now. Amen? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Is this all right? 
That's all I got. You got to see the movies. Hey, man, you can't have Pepsi and popcorn in here because somebody will spill it and get it on the carpet. Amen. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Notice it just says one time, tell God what you need. After that, you start thanking him for it. Well, how can I thank him for it? Because it hasn't happened yet. If you thank him for it, when it comes, then you're not really having faith because it just showed up. Amen? You have to thank him before it gets there. The, the walls of Jericho fell down flat. When? After they shouted? No. They didn't shout after the walls fell down flat. They shouted before the wall came down because that says faith. Now, listen, don't go out there and, write and go, go and say, you know what? I think the pastor's given me enough faith in the, in the sermon today that I'm going to go out and buy me a 2019 Cadillac Escalade. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to write a great big check because I got faith. Now, I'm saying this publicly on worldwide television and Internet. I am not endorsing that. All right? Brother Chris and I, we were talking yesterday. We are talking about Suburbans and Yukons. Those babies cost more than the first house I bought. And it's a car. It's a truck. So I'm in the hunt for Suburbans. I dream Suburbans and Yukons. Hallelujah. I'm putting together logistic trips. Little Rock, Benton, Arkansas, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Amen. I might as well just go on to Houston. Hallelujah. Just go see Big Daddy Dennis Lewis in Houston. And so I'm going through all of these things. And, and, and the, you know how it pops up on the Internet, the new ones? Oh, one of those babies was $88,000. $88,000? Why? What do, Why? I'm not worried about the 88,000. I'm worried about the people buying them for 88,000. What in the world? Boy, you could be putting your money a lot better places because when you drive it off the lot, it's only going to be worth 66,000. And if you don't have, this is what I learned to watch in television, baseball games. If you don't have Liberty Mutual, they're only going to pay for three out of four tires of that if you have an accident. See, I'm learning. And so, guess what? I'm not endorsing to say your faith is up. Hey, man, especially you, Mitchell, do not go out and get that Escalade today because you know what? That check just might bounce. And then you say, oh, my Lord, I thought the pastor had my faith up. Yeah, but you're going to have to use some sense on this too. All right? We're not talking about purchasing Escalades. We're talking about bringing down walls in your life. We're talking about having faith in God. One time, he said, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and then thank him. I could preach a whole series right there on that one scripture. Don't worry about anything. Why, can't I, why, do, why not worry? I need to. I'm a worrier. This is, my mom was a worrier. My, 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 my grandma was a worrier. My great-grandmother, seven times removed, was a worrier. And I'm a worrier. Why? Get that under control. That is our flesh. Kill your flesh. Kill your flesh. Amen? 
You say, but I, this is this in me. You can change what's in you. I'm still working on it. That's why God gave us all this life on earth. And I was talking about this Wednesday night in, in, in the Bible study, talking about Saul, King Saul. He was king over Israel, and two years after his, his coronation, he messed up and didn't, believe, didn't listen to the prophet and did, messed up a whole typology. He tried to fulfill the role of king and priest. And God said, that's not going to happen. I'm taking the throne away from you. He had been rejected by God. The Bible says an evil spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. That's how Saul met David because David came in and played the harp. You know, see how I'm saying? And there were times that this evil spirit would flare up in Saul and he tried to javelin David, kebab him right to the wall. How about that? How would you like to play for somebody like that? You're there playing in the in the key of D minor, and shoom, a javelin flies right by your head and sticks in the wall. But yet, at the same time, Saul could run into to the sons of the prophets, and the Bible says that he was with them all night long and lay naked, had his kingly priests and robes off, and prophesied all night long. How could he prophesy when he was rejected as being king? Because his flesh knew how to yield to the spirit. That makes sense? So that's what we were talking about. So what I'm saying is this. We can kill our flesh. Well, I don't know how to kill my flesh. Go on a three-day fast. I don't know how to kill my flesh. Go fast three days. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about drinking chocolate milk three days. I'm talking about going fast. I'm talking about water only. You know, pastor, I started fasting the other day and by I went to work at 8 o'clock and by 9.30 I was shaking and laying on the floor convulsing. They called 911 and took me to the hospital. They said, what have you been doing? I said, well, I've been fasting for an hour and a half. Some of you have talked to people in your circle of influences, and you're, you're fasting or whatever, and, and you, you tell them, oh, I can't eat today, I'm fasting. Our, our pastor asks us to fast a certain day of the week, and I'm fasting. And, and people get flipped out. In 2018, preachers make people not eat. They think I'm a cult leader. I ought to get a big vat of Kool-Aid mixing it up, stirring it, and give it to you, and then you say, here's my pastor, look. He's mixing the Kool-Aid right now. We're going to drink it on the fifth Thursday of the month. Amen. Stop it, Amy says. You see what I'm saying? Kill your flesh. Kill your flesh. Your flesh, when it sees that mountain range, wants to rise up, and it wants to say, oh, we can't do it this time. Oh, we can't get through it this time. Wait a minute, God says. I want you to look back at your past, and I want you to see what I've already done for you, and I want you to begin to thank me for what I'm going to do. You see, the wall did not fall until the praises first went up. What we want to do is we want to get the victory and then come in here and say, oh, Jesus did this hallelujah we got victory and now I can shout but, but before it happens we're like this because we're, we, are, we are sedated by fear 
and unbelief when God has given us a track record of victory after victory after victory. The first victory was you came in here, got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues. You never did that and never learned that in college. Amen? Amen. God took your sins away, washed you in his blood. You're Now you're walking over addictions, and now you're walking over attitudes, and now you're walking over all kinds of situations. That's a miracle in itself. Amen. If God can take your sins away, he can surely make a way for you in a tight spot and in a rough place. Amen. So that's why we praise him before it happens. Paul and Silas were in prison. They did not get out of prison until they started singing and praising. Well, we've read it a hundred times in 1 Chronicles 21. King Jehoshaphat did not win the battle until he sent the choir in front of the soldiers. God said, I want you to send the worshipers in front of the warriors. Oh, that'll preach right there, won't it? Worshipers before the warriors. You see, that's what we get, it, we get it backwards. We want the warriors, and then we come and worship. We want to get out here and fight with our own understanding and fight with our own intellect and fight with our own money and fight with all of our resources to try to get the battle done when God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to don't worry about anything. I want you to pray about it. Stop worrying and start praying. Stop worrying, start praying. And then he said, tell me what you want and what you need. And he said, then I want you to thank me. That's all you got to do. Pray, tell me, thank me. That's all you got to do. Then, hallelujah, you will experience God's peace. The devil wants to take peace away from each one of you. He wants to take sleep away from each one of us. He wants to take the soundness of mind and that, and that, that thing where, you know, everything is going to be all right. Uh, my mind goes back to, to Pete. You know, Pete is in a last summer. We did not realize how sick he was. He didn't tell anybody. I didn't realize it until I saw his bosses at, at Walmart one day. And they said, how is Pete doing? I said, what do you mean how is Pete doing? I guess he's all right. I haven't seen him since for a couple days. I saw him at church Sunday. And they said, well, he's in the hospital. What? So long story short, fast forward to when Pete was going in there to have the bone marrow transplant. There was one oncologist that told him how serious it was. And Pete said, I know, but I'm trusting God. The problem that the, with Pete that the oncologist didn't know was Pete had already been in another place in another time. He already knew what the other place looked like. He'd already been in the presence of the Lord once already. And the Lord said, it's not time, you got to go back. And he said, I didn't want to come back. Hallelujah. And in fact, that one oncologist said, I'm not taking your case and walked out of the room. Pete said, well, that's all right because everything's going to be in control and everything is going to be all right. And about the second to the last time that I was with him, He's there and he's sitting in his chair and he started talking about heaven again. And he said, Pastor, you don't know how bad I wanted to stay the last time. And I, he's taking a tissue. And I mean, the tears are running down his face. That's how fast they were coming out. What, is he, what am I saying? I'm saying that Pete had peace about the situation. That's why the devil wants to take our peace. That's why he wants to take our understanding. That's why he wants to take everything and tie us to this realm and this world only. With man, Jesus said, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? Let's say it together. We're going to say the word all on the count of three. Are you ready? 
All right. Are you sure? One, two, three. All, all things are possible to them that believe. With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, God is wanting to do something miraculous in your life. If you, you, how many want a miracle? That's, all right, keep your hand up. You know what? In order to qualify for a miracle, you've got to be in a bad situation. Now, we should have asked like this. How many of you want to be in a bad situation? I tricked you, didn't I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many of us want to be in a bad situation? How many of us want a miracle? Yeah. <laughs> Sick people, and listen, healthy people don't need healed. Rich people don't need money. People who don't need a miracle aren't in trouble, don't need a miracle. You see what I'm saying? So now, do we have the faith to get into the situation that will qualify us for the miracle? Do we have faith to believe and the peace? Because as soon as the doctor's report comes back and it's bad and you got three months to live, oh my God, you're, it's, you're falling apart. You don't know what you're going to do. Hey, listen, but there was a peace in Brother Pete. He said, I've been there, Pastor. I know what it's like. And he said, I didn't want to leave. So he said, if God wants to take me this time, God will take me this time. Guess what? That is the peace that passes all understanding his peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing everybody say one more thing one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true honorable right pure lovely and admirable think about those things think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, God wants us to be selective in our thinking for the past is the past is the past. We've been together a long, long time. We've been together since way back when. Right? You're still the one. You're still having, we're still having fun and you're still the one. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We've been through a lot together. We've got phone calls. Actually, it was a message on the answering machine. Hello, this is so-and-so from Dr. So-and-so's office, and I'm calling to confirm that you do have MS. Now, that, that'll hit a guy pretty hard when you get, the, get it off your... And we, had an answer, we didn't have voicemails then. We couldn't spell voicemail. We had an answering machine. Had buttons and lights on it, and it was crazy. You actually can make up your own announcement. Thank you for calling the Zimmermans. We are so glad you called. That's, but we're not answering the phone, so just leave a message. No, we didn't say that. We've been through times when the, when the bank says that ain't going to work. And there's no way out. There's no help. There's nothing you can do. And you just fall on the altar before the Lord. And you just say, Lord, you've got my health in your hands. Lord, you've got my finances in your hand. Lord, you've got that kid, that wayward kid that can't figure it out. I'm putting him in your hands, and you're going to have to take care of this. And you know what? I'm talking to a lot of people in this room right now because a lot of us have had situations like this, and all we can do is just give it to the Lord. That's all you can do is just give it to Jesus. Amen? That's all you can do. 
There's people that I know that have suffered tragedy. Amen. There's folks in this room that have lost children. Children aren't supposed to go before the parents do. But there's people with a lot of hurt in here. And so you have to learn to lean on the Lord and trust in God with all that is. And you just fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. What the devil's wanting to do is he wants to put your thoughts on how bad it is. He wants to put your thoughts on how God's not fair. He wants to put your thoughts on why, why did God let this happen to somebody like you? Why, you know, you, you, why did God allow you? You go to church. You pay your tithe. You're faithful. You're there to help hang doors. You're there to help mow the grass. You're there to help vacuum the carpet. And God let this bad thing happen to you. Why would? But Paul said this. He said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I'm still alive in this body, I'm having a relationship on this earth with the Lord. But if I get to die, Paul said, if I get to die, I'm in the presence of the Lord forever. Amen. And so the devil is trying to throw this against us to pull us down and slow us down. Philippians says this, nine, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Just keep doing what I tell you. If you just do what I tell you, you'll be awesome. I've only had one, one or two people that have done what I said. Listen, I said, listen, they come to me, they have lots of problems. And I said, I want you to look at me. If you do exactly what I tell you for the next two years, you will not recognize yourself. I've seen some start. They fall. One did it. Brother Kevin. Brother Kevin did it. He sat in my chair, homeless, an alcoholic, nowhere to live, nowhere to go. Nobody wanted him, getting kicked out of the house he was in. He said, Pastor, what am I going to do? I said, you got three choices. Number one, you don't do anything, and you're going to be lost. Number two, you can stay here and try to make yourselves accountable to men in the church and that might work, but I don't think it will. Number three, you need to go away. <laughs> you need to go away. I said, because if you go away for eight months and you do the training that they want you to do and what I suggest you do, it will change the next 50 years of your life. The last time that Kevin had a drink was April of 2011. That's almost seven, that is seven years. Seven years. And God gave him a wife and a family, and God's putting his life together. Listen, Paul said, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me. Somebody keeps saying, you talk all the time. I don't mean to. It happens. If I wasn't talking all the time, you'd say, what's wrong? I could talk paint dry on a wall if I needed to. But not only that, don't just hear from me. I want you to see what I'm doing. I want to set an example. If I want you to come to prayer, I think I ought to be at prayer. Think so? Let's take a vote on that. Do you, uh, if, do you think I ought to come to prayer if I want you to be at prayer? Let's see.
All right, keep your hands up. I want you to scan the crowd, Rose, and see how everybody's voting. Johnny's got two of them up. I see. All right. Yep. If I'm going to, if you, I want you to come to work day, I'm going to need to be at work day. I need to be willing to shove pug, shovel pug. Amen. See what I'm saying? Doing everything that I, you see me do. What's true? Truth. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are true. This is from Webster's, good old Webster's. In accordance with fact or reality, accurate or exact, honest, loyal or faithful. Think on things that are honest. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are in accordance with fact or reality. I know Brother John was saying a couple months ago, he was talking to the, somebody about the Bible, and the guy was saying, well, we, that's not in the Bible, blah, 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 and Johnny would throw scriptures. Well, the person's never even read the Bible. That's just like you going and buying the Escalade today, okay? If you go buy, an es- buy the Escalade and there's buttons on your dash that you don't know what they do, don't hit them while you're driving, all right? Just telling you that. Could be your overdrive and throw your head through the windshield. Then you have a cracked windshield on your brand-new Escalade. Listen, if you don't read the owner's manual, how are you going to know how to operate it? If you don't read the Word of God, how are you going to know how to operate your walk with the Lord? And so these people want to argue with us about we know what's true facts because we read the Word, we study the Word, we see how it comes together, and yet they want to argue with us. Let's, let's talk about something that's true. God said, I want you to deal with accurate, exact, honest thinking. I want you to do accurate and exact thinking there. That's true. Honorable, bringing or worthy of honor, high respect, esteem, and the privilege. When I start to think about things, I know the Bible says forgetting those things which are behind, but Paul said let's be selective here. I want you to think about the things that bring honor. I want you to think about the things that will bring respect and esteem. I want you to keep those in your backpack because on your backpack of life, in your journey of life, there's going to be times when you're going to want to reach in your backpack and grab something and say, I need this for today. If you will look in my Bible that I have at home, it's my Bible from college. There's a place in Mark chapter number five. The preacher's name was Keith Clark. And I wrote the date down. He said, I want you to write the date down, and I want you to say, and I want you to write in the margin of your Bible, today I need this. In the the 30 years since Bible college, I have read Mark chapter 5, and I have looked at that that notation on the side of that margin, and there have been many days when I really, really did need that. And so that is in my backpack. What I'm telling you is the victories the Lord has given you, keep them ready in your backpack because you may have to pull them out. Amen? Is it good? You all right? Think on the things that are right, that are morally good, that are justified, they're acceptable, they're true, they're correct as a fact, they're complete. They're absolute. We live in a world of relativism. If we don't want to be married anymore, we can just get divorced because we don't love each other anymore. That's relativism. I don't, I've fallen out of love with you. Well, you don't want to fall in love because if you can fall in, you can get out. Right? We don't want to grow into this thing. 
A guy came home from work one day, and he's eating dinner, and his wife throws an envelope of divorce papers at him. She says, I want a divorce. He said, really? Yeah. Well, the problem was, the problem was that that's all she ever knew because her mom and dad were divorced, and her mom's been married a couple times, and then they've been married a couple times, and they're married. See, so some people think that's normal. And so because she was associating it with a feeling, love is not a feeling. Clark, did you turn this off? Love is not a feeling. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Mm-hmm. See, kids, you don't know those songs. You hear them, though, on the, in the stores and on stations and radios because it's classics. Classics last a long time. Love is a decision. It's a decision to stay with that person when you don't want to stay with them. It's a decision when you got to pick up their dirty laundry. It's a decision when they got the greatest case of halitosis ever. Love is a decision when you're laying there at night and you're trying to go to sleep. And your husband snuck that Italian lunch in earlier that day and didn't tell you. And out of the darkness, the voice says, where did you eat at today? And you're praying that the apnea will hit you. I used to just confess it, but now I say, what's it smell like? I don't know, but it's garlic, and it's bad. It's coming out of your pores. And love decides, I'm staying with him. I may go to the couch, but I'm staying with him. You ever heard of that? People getting mad and fighting with each other, and they say, they get, I'm, I'm going to the couch. And they go to the couch. So the lady gets mad at the husband. She says, I'm going to the couch. She goes, gets her a blanket and a pillow and goes downstairs and she gets on the couch. And about 10 minutes later, she hears footsteps coming. I can see him doing this. I can see Johnny doing this. And he gets, and he gets by the couch and he says, hey, scoot over. I'm mad too. <laughs> I've seen some start. They fall. One did it. Brother Kevin. Brother Kevin did it. He sat in my chair, homeless, an alcoholic, nowhere to live, nowhere to go. Nobody wanted him, getting kicked out of the house he was in. He said, Pastor, what am I going to do? I said, you got three choices. Number one, you don't do anything, and you're going to be lost. Number two... 
You can stay here and try to make yourselves accountable to men in the church, and that might work, but I don't think it will. Number three, you need to go away. <laughs> you need to go away. I said, because if you go away for eight months and you do the training that they want you to do and what I suggest you do, it will change the next 50 years of your life. The last time that Kevin had a drink was April of 2011. That's almost seven, that is seven years. Seven years. And God gave him a wife and a family, and God's putting his life together. Listen, Paul said, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me. Somebody keeps saying, you talk all the time. I don't mean to. It happens. If I wasn't talking all the time, you'd say, what's wrong? I could talk paint dry on a wall if I needed to. But not only that, don't just hear from me. I want you to see what I'm doing. I want to set an example. If I want you to come to prayer, I think I ought to be at prayer. Think so? Let's take a vote on that. Do you, if, do you think I ought to come to prayer if I want you to be at prayer? Let's see. All right, keep your hands up. I want you to scan the crowd, Rose, and see how everybody's voting. Johnny's got two of them up. I see. All right. Yep. If I'm going to, if you, I want you to come to work day, I'm going to need to be at work day. I need to be willing to shove pug, shovel pug. Amen? See what I'm saying? Do everything that I, you see me do. What's true? Truth. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are true. This is from Webster's, good old Webster's. In accordance with fact or reality, accurate or exact, honest, loyal or faithful. Think on things that are honest. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are in accordance with fact or reality. I know Brother John was saying a couple months ago, he was talking to the, somebody about the Bible, and the guy was saying, well, we, that's not in the Bible, blah, 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 and Johnny would throw scriptures. Well, the person's never even read the Bible. That's just like you going and buying the Escalade today, okay? If you go buy, an es buy the Escalade and there's buttons on your dash that you don't know what they do, don't hit them while you're driving, all right? Just telling you that. Could be your overdrive and throw your head through the windshield. Then you have a cracked windshield on your brand new Escalade. Listen, if you don't read the owner's manual, how are you going to know how to operate it? If you don't read the Word of God, how are you going to know how to operate your walk with the Lord? And so these people want to argue with us about we know what's true facts because we read the Word, we study the Word, we see how it comes together, and yet they want to argue with us. Let's, let's talk about something that's true. God said, I want you to deal with accurate, exact, honest thinking. I want you to do accurate and exact thinking there. That's true. Honorable. Bringing or worthy of honor. High respect, esteem, and a privilege. When I start to think about things, I know the Bible says forgetting those things which are behind, but Paul said let's be selective here. I want you to think about the things that bring honor. 
I want you to think about the things that will bring respect and esteem. I want you to keep those in your backpack because on your backpack of life, in your journey of life, there's going to be times when you're going to want to reach in your backpack and grab something and say, I need this for today. If you will look in my Bible that I have at home, it's my Bible from college. There's a place in Mark chapter number 5. The preacher's name was Keith Clark. And I wrote the date down. He said, I want you to write the date down, and I want you to say, and I want you to write in the margin of your Bible, today I need this. In the, in the 30 years since Bible college, I have read Mark chapter 5, and I have looked at that that notation on the side of that margin, and there have been many days when I really, really did need that. And so that is in my backpack. What I'm telling you is the victories the Lord has given you, keep them ready in your backpack because you may have to pull them out. Amen? Is it good? You all right? Think on the things that are right, that are morally good, that are justified, they're acceptable, they're true, they're correct as a fact, they're complete. They're absolute. We live in a world of relativism. If we don't want to be married anymore, we can just get divorced because we don't love each other anymore. That's relativism. I don't, I, I've fallen out of love with you. Well, you don't want to fall in love because if you can fall in, you can get out. Right? We don't want to grow into this thing. A guy came home from work one day and he's eating dinner and the, his wife throws an envelope of divorce papers at him. She says, I want a divorce. He said, really? Yeah. Well, the problem was, the problem was that that's all she ever knew because her mom and dad were divorced and her mom's been married a couple times, and then they've been married a couple times, and they're married. See, so some people think that's normal. And so because she was associating it with a feeling, love is not a feeling. Clark, did you turn this off? Love is not a feeling. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Mm -hmm. See, kids, you don't know those songs. You hear them, though, on the, in the stores and on stations and radios because it's classics. Classics last a long time. Love is a decision. It's a decision to stay with that person when you don't want to stay with them. It's a decision when you got to pick up their dirty laundry. It's a decision when they got the greatest case of halitosis ever. Love is a decision when you're laying there at night and you're trying to go to sleep. And your husband snuck that Italian lunch in earlier that day and didn't tell you. And out of the darkness, the voice says, where did you eat at today? 
Okay, you're praying that the apnea will hit you. I used to just confess it, but now I say, what's it smell like? I don't know, but it's garlic, and it's bad. It's coming out of your pores. And love decides, I'm staying with him. I may go to the couch, but I'm staying with him. You ever heard of that? People getting mad and fighting with each other, and they say, they get, I'm, I'm going to the couch. And they go to the couch. So the lady gets mad at the husband. She says, I'm going to the couch. She goes, gets her blanket and a pillow and goes downstairs, and she gets on the couch. And about 10 minutes later, she hears footsteps coming. I can see him doing this. I can see Johnny doing this. And he gets, and he gets by the couch, and he says, hey, scoot over. I'm mad too. <laughs> can you see Johnny doing that? Yeah, scoot over. I'm mad too. Yeah. Love is not a feeling. You've lost that love and feel, right? Love is not a feeling. Feelings are like the wind. They blow and go. Love is a decision. You want to see what love is like? Go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, go in the New Living Translation. Love is patient, long wait, love waits. Love doesn't keep records. I've done things that disappointed you. But your love for me says I'm staying here and I'm not going to hold that against you. Love doesn't hold grudges. You see what I'm saying? Is this making sense? And don't be saying I wish my, my husband was here. I wish my wife was here. Don't be saying that right now. You're here. That's what you're getting. You, you feel the Lord wants them to have that? Tell them they have to watch the archive. Think on what's right. Get it right. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Besides, I heard somebody sing one time, what's love got to do with it? Right? What's love but a secondhand emotion? Lord have mercy. Anyhow, keep on going pure. The jukebox is fired up today. It's on 220. Pure, not mixed or adulterated with any other substance. It's free of contamination. It's wholesome and untainted by immorality, especially that of a sexual nature. Think on the pure thoughts. Not the thoughts that you have to put your, your input into, but the pure thoughts of goodness that the Lord has done for you. The good things that the Lord has done for you in your life. Think on those things, the lovely things, the exquisitely beautiful, the very pleasant or enjoyable, the delightful. Those are the thoughts that bring a smile to your face and they happen, you know, 30 years ago. Those are the things that, that put a smile on your face and they happen. And, and every time you think about that, it just brings the presence of the Lord closer and closer. That's the kind of stuff the Lord wants you to be thinking about. The admirable things, and I'm getting ready to close, arousing or deserving respect and approval. Those thoughts that deserve respect. There are things in your life that you're going to learn from. Simba learned the second time that when the stick came down, he ducked. Right? You've got to learn from your past. Those are admirable thoughts. Learn from your past. Learn from those thoughts. Get that thing going there. Hallelujah. Revelation 12, 7 and 8. Now watch. This is a theology. I dropped this bomb of theology in the middle of this faith sermon here. Okay? Theology, if you study theology, I have a degree in theology. Basically, it's, it's a very dry study. Theology is very dry. 
It's scripture, it's verses, it's facts, it's this, it's that. So watch this. Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. Right? This is in the book. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up, it's in the book. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, Revelation 12, 9 says this. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. You see that word right there? This, this right here? You know what that is? You know what and is? It's what? If you watch Schoolhouse Rock, you'd know back in the early 70s. What is it? Girls, what is it? You're in college. What's and? What's that up there? And. What is that? You see what I'm saying? Is this making sense? And don't be saying, I wish my, my husband was here. I wish my wife was here. Don't be saying that right now. You're here. That's what you're getting. You, you feel the Lord wants them to have that? Tell them they have to watch the archive. Think on what's right. Get it right. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Besides, I heard somebody sing one time, what's love got to do with it? Right? What's love but a secondhand emotion? Lord have mercy. Anyhow, keep on going pure. The jukebox is fired up today. It's on 220. Pure, not mixed or adulterated with any other substance. It's free of contamination. It's wholesome and untainted by immorality, especially that of a sexual nature. Think on the pure thoughts. Not the thoughts that you have to put your, your input into, but the pure thoughts of goodness that the Lord has done for you. The good things that the Lord has done for you in your life. Think on those things, the lovely things, the exquisitely beautiful, the very pleasant or enjoyable, the delightful. Those are the thoughts that bring a smile to your face and they happen, you know, 30 years ago. Those are the things that, that put a smile on your face and they happen. And, and every time you think about that, it just brings the presence of the Lord closer and closer. That's the kind of stuff the Lord wants you to be thinking about. The admirable things, and I'm getting ready to close, arousing or deserving respect and approval. Those thoughts that deserve respect. There are things in your life that you're going to learn from. Simba learned the second time that when the stick came down, he ducked. Right? You've got to learn from your past. Those are admirable thoughts. Learn from your past. Learn from those thoughts. Get that thing going there. Hallelujah. Revelation 12, 7 and 8. Now watch. This is a theology. I dropped this bomb of theology in the middle of this faith sermon here. Okay? Theology, if you study theology, I have a degree in theology. Basically, it's, it's a very dry study. Theology is very dry. It's scripture. It's verses. It's facts. It's this. It's that. So watch this, Revelation 12, 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, right? This is in the book. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up, it's in the book. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, Revelation 12, 9 says this, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. You see that word right there? This, this right here? You know what that is? You know what and is? It's what? If you watch Schoolhouse Rock, you'd know back in the early 70s. What is it? Girls, what is it? You're in college. What's and? What's that up there? And. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? 
hooking up words and phrases and pauses, right? Huh? Remember those? Conjunction, junction. Jeff, you remember that? Schoolhouse rock. We come home every day from school and learn more on television than we learned at school. Yeah. You don't do that now. You don't learn anything anywhere anymore on you, do you? Now look, remember I tell you, remember I tell you that word and, right? So if you read that and the, the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, what does that sound like in just everyday terms? And. Do you, want, do you need two devils in your world? Huh? One is plenty. Because the one that there is is doing a fine job at being the devil. Amen? But watch. So I decided to drop this in on you here, down here. New Testament word, 2532, Kaya, right here. Apparently, a primary participle having copulent and sometimes also cumulative force. It means and, also, even, so, then, to, etc. Often used in connection. So what that word there is doing, it is connecting this with this. Make sense? So when in Romans, remember I keep telling you this, we did this the other day. In Romans 1.7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not two separate. It is God our Father, also even, the, or the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Now, I did this for you as well. Look at this. That same salutation is found in 1 Corinthians 1.3, 2 Corinthians 2.1.2, 2, Ephesians 1.2, Philippians 1.2, Colossians 1.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1 and 2, 1 Timothy 1.2 and Philemon 1.3. Those same salutations. That's a bit of theology that I just dropped in on you there. Now I'm going back to the faith. See how I did that, Mitchell? See that? And I heard a loud voice saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Who is the accuser of the brethren? There it is. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. All right? It means this. Adversary. His name means adversary, that title. It also means to lie in wait when it comes from the verb as, as an adversary. Satan, satanus, adversary, diablos, devil, adversary, or accuser. The devil is accusing you with your thoughts. And so that's where you have to become strong enough to think on the things that are lovely and pure and of good report and admirable and true because the devil's going to throw all that junk at you in between all that. He's going to, pat, he's going to throw back to what you did on July 8th, 1947. You remember what it is because you're shaking your head yes. And he's going to say, Pat, don't you remember? You remember when you was in the just 15 years old, and you kissed that boy under the sycamore tree. And your mother told you, stay away from him, Patsy Loretta. Hey. 
I told you to stay away from that boy. And you snuck out of the house, July 8th, 1947. What am I doing? I'm the accuser. That's what the devil's doing. He's accusing. Now, I don't know what happened to Pat on July 8th, 1947. What I'm simply saying is this. The devil is going to, you know the dates, and you know the times and the places. You know the nouns, the people's places and things. Amen? And the devil's going to say, do you remember this time? Remember in junior high? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember this? What's he doing? He's accusing you. He's accusing you. He's accusing you. But what God is saying is this. I want you to go back and I want you to find what's true. I want you to go back and I want you to find where I gave you victory over this. I want you to go back like David did and say, I remember the bear and I remember the lion. And he said, this battle is nothing more than I can handle just like I did those two. Let's all stand. I'm done. Man, is that awesome? Man, I'm done. Trina liked it. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, the sermon. Oh, okay. Revelation 12, 11. Come on, give me some, lift up your voice and sing for joy. I know, that's what I keep telling you. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Right? The blood of the lamb. But it doesn't stop there. What else? Look at you, getting all big and grown up. Good grief. Catherine, you guys might as well have more. I'm telling you, in about 15 years, you're going to be wishing you did. Okay. You'll be buying two Suburbans. Amen. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They're going to go back and find that time when everybody said, hallelujah, in July of 2014, there is nothing you can do. But in March of 2015, God said, I'm taking care of the situation for you. <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm saying? I'm telling you that by the word of your testimony that God is going to give you victory after victory after victory. And if you've got to pull back into your backpack and get a hold of the lion and say, I took care of the lion and then I had to take care of the bear, I grabbed him by the ba beard and threw him down. God wants to work for you. Hallelujah. Can I give some musicians? Yeah, let's, you don't play? Do you sing? Hallelujah. Come on, kids. Come on. Jesus, help us. God wants to give you power. And you're going to get power from your victory. Anybody had any victories? Come on. You had victories? That's your, that's your arsenal. That's your arsenal. That's what you think on. You don't think about Pat, July 8th, 1947. Boy, I wonder what, the, wonder what happened then. We're going to have to dig back. That was right around the 4th of July, Pat. You was five years old. All right. Well, now, now it's all coming into view. It's all coming into it's all coming in. What can a five-year-old do? I'll tell you, a few of them I know. Overcame by the word of their testimony. Psalm 63, 6. I'm closing with this. Psalm 63, 6 says this. When I remember thee upon my bed 
and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wing will I rejoice. Lord, when I'm laying on my bed at night and I start thinking about all you've done for me, when I'm laying on my bed and I start thinking about you in the night watches, the first night watch was from, from 6 p.m. to 9, then 9 to midnight. The third watch was from midnight to 3, and the fourth watch was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And David said, when I'm laying on my bed during the nighttime hours and I start to meditate on you, he said, because you have helped me, I'm going to rejoice in the shadow of your wing. You know what the wing does? Here, come on. Come on, get under here. I'm going to protect you. So if somebody's in a fight today, you know what? God's pulling you under his wing. Say, I'm going to take care of you. Come on, don't fret. Don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Psalm 105.5. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and the rulings he has given. Amen. Don't ever forget the devil's going to accuse you. So listen, while the devils are accusing you, you say, let me start remembering, devil, what all the Lord's done for me. Hallelujah. You're accusing me of this downfall, and the Lord picked me up. You're accusing me of this battle over here, and the Lord came through for me. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Uh, the past is the past is the past. Psalm 77, 10 says, and I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O oh Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty work. Woo! That's wonderful. It's time to stop thinking about what the devil's trying to do to you and start thinking about what God's done for you. And that's going to help you overcome what the devil's trying to do. Amen? The past is the past is the past. Come on, let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's sing a little bit before we go. If you got a need, if I preached to you today, if I helped you, come bring it to the Lord. Bring it here and drop it off. Don't take it back. Bring that need up here and drop it off. Drop it off. Don't care.